0: Hello and welcome to this emergency edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Labs Some big news on Wednesdays, first reported by our friend and colleague, Eamon Lynch, then confirmed by you, Rex, and then made official by the PJ Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan in a memo to the membership. Big changes are coming to the 2024 schedule. Now, if you missed it, next year, there are going to be 16 marquee events. Four major championships, of course. The Players Championship, the three FedEx Cup playoff events, and an additional eight designated events, which is what we're really going to hone in on here in this podcast. Now, the field sizes for those designated events will range from 70 to 80 players with no cut. We'll certainly get into that. And who will play? Pay attention, folks. The top 50 players from the previous season's FedEx Cup point list, the top 10 players not otherwise eligible from the current year's points list the top five players not otherwise eligible, earning the most points from each quote-unquote collection of standard non-designated events, current year tournament winners of fulfilled uh, FedEx Cup events, PGA Tour members among the top 30 in the world, and four sponsor exemptions which are restricted to PGA Tour members. Hello, Tiger Woods. If you want to play in a tournament, this is how we will get you into these designated tournaments. Now, Rex, you were covering this. For us on GolfChannel.com and Golf Channel on Wednesday. You've had about a day now to digest this news. Good thing, bad thing. Where do you stand? You, you know what is a bad thing? You opening a podcast by reading. Let, let's
1: try to avoid doing that in the future. Like I know there were a lot of boxes to check off. You had to cover a lot of ground. But opening that was with better a than a like, and... usual tangent. Uh, well, no, it's not, because our usual tangent is, is fun and games. This was you reading, and that, that's just bad pot.
0: I mean, if people don't know what we're doing here, you have, we have to inform uh, them. We can't, we can't assume that everyone's reading your bad stories or watching your bad TV hits.
1: <laughs> uh, and, and to the point, and my bad, uh, my bad reading is, is no better, and I will say, and let's open it with a, another tangent, I've kind of caught some heat. After the pod this week from some folks around Bay Hill. <laughs> we like, don't like I, Bay Hill. I'm sorry. I don't know what to I, tell you. Like, this has nothing to do with Mr. Palmer. I mean, his legacy, I mean, it, it was my, probably my most enjoyable event to come to because he would do the State of the King on Wednesday. And, and like, I loved coming to this event. I hate it now. It has nothing to do with the actual tournament. It's no, the, it's the proximity. It's the commute. It's the, uh, another text just now from someone who wants tickets. Wants tickets of it's, course. it's a lacrosse
0: game tonight. Like, it just piles up. So it, it has nothing it's to actually, do with like, Bayham. It's actually a great tournament. I, lo- I love watching the tournament unfold on this golf course. Like, we're, we're recording this Thursday morning. The leaderboard's already awesome. Like, it's Jordan Spieth, Cameron Young, Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland's in the mix. Like, it's going to produce a great winner. However, the city beautiful is not always that. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And traffic in the city Beautiful is awful.
1: Uh, to give you the, the cliff nose version, and you're right, the, all the bad stories and columns I wrote yesterday, probably the one that stood out to me, and I didn't know how to wade into this. Because over the course of the day, and as you pointed out, Eamon Lynch broke the story relatively early yesterday morning on Golf Week. And as people started to read it, I started to get more and more text messages and I guess you have to put it in context, this wasn't Rory texting me. These are middle-class players who are texting me because those are the players I'm closest to. And none of them liked it, and for a a lot of different reasons. But the one reason, and you kind of touched on this, that most of them seem to hate it at first blush is the fact that those eight designated events that you just talked about beyond the majors, the players, the playoffs, they will have limited fields. And I think everyone was sort of bracing for this. And that's where everyone's getting hung up and we can certainly have a conversation about that. I'm going to counter and say, look, that's the window dressing. That's, what, that's the eye candy. That's where everyone's going to get all caught up and get angry about. That's not the issue here. I think the devil in this designated event detail is going to end up being way down in the part that you didn't get to read was the note that, oh, yeah, the designated events will award more FedEx Cup points than the non-designated events, which, by the way, they decided to call them full field events, which I thought mm. was weird flex like i wonder how many think tank groups they they push that through to come up with nope nope let's don't million call non
0: events mil, million dollars for that sort of campaign
1: full sure. field yeah. see how it's half full if you do it that way capitalize um, that's right uh so i think that's the bigger deal because i just kind of scrolling this morning if if you're let's take christian uh last year who finished number 51 on the final fedex cup points list he would play a vastly different schedule coming into this year under this new system than the person who finished 50th to the point that I had one player correctly point out to me. Hi, John Bush, PGA Tour official. Jack Ryan, another Go PGA downs. Tour official. Keep walking. You would have who uh, being qualified for exactly one of those designated events, the Players' Championship. Players' Championship. The rest of them, and this is all sort of dependent on what that, that player's world ranking would be at the time. And so they would have to fill out their schedules with the non-designated events. And therefore, they're going to play for vastly fewer uh, FedEx Cup points than the guy that finished 50th. And as you know, if you finish 51st on the FedEx Cup points list, you
0: probably had a pretty good season. You probably feel pretty good about yourself. Probably had a very good season, in fact. That's probably four, five, six top tens. Just probably didn't yeah. have a win.
1: And so you're going to be up against it to the point that, and I'm not even saying this is a bad thing, but it's certainly going to have to be part of the conversation going forward. The distinction between 50 and 51, and we can do 49 and 52 and keep going down the ladder if you want, but it's going to be so wide. Like you cannot quantify how much more difficult life is going to be for number 51 than it's going to be for number 50.
0: couple things. First of all, that player, number 51, would be – uh, very likely to receive sponsor exemptions. Uh, Not necessarily. Serious. He was he was just off Not the cut off. I Not I think he I think he'd be more likely than number ninety nine. Uh, to put it that way, there are there are going to be other avenues uh, if he plays well at the beginning of the season to get into some of these designated events, and if he can keep that rolling, he will be able to set his schedule. And so, yeah, you make a very good point, and I I want to I want to break this pod up, Rex, with benefits and drawbacks. Let's let's start with. With the benefits to this new program, for, for me, and you just touched on it, with number 51, it's creating a more cutthroat, more competitive PGA Tour. Roy McIlroy keeps calling this, they're trying to make the PGA Tour like the aspirational tour. And what this now does is a lot of things, but in particular, it makes the last four weeks of the season awesome. The cut down at the Wyndham Championship to get to the top 70 just to qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs is now a huge deal because you're either going to have to. Oh, well, card I talked the to the Wyndham. Season. I had a long conversation with the Wyndham tournament director about this yesterday. I mean, it, it is going to be a boom for him. He knows. Oh, enormous. I mean, that yeah. that's determines who gets their card for the next season, that determines who's going to have to go into this seeding qualifying tournament uh, type of. Season in the fall, which has not quite been determined yet. The top 50 cutoff, as you just mentioned with the Christian Bazadenhood example, at the FedEx St. Jude Championship is going to be epic because that's going to really determine the players, the the haves and the have-mores. Then you have the cut down, Rex, to top 30 at the BMW Championship. All of a sudden, those players are then going to be competing for this year at $75 million. It certainly sounds like that's going to be a $100 million FedEx Cup pool in 2024 with some of that money from the player impact program being reallocated there and so you're having the last four weeks of the season that are awesome in addition to all the other benefits what are some of the ones that you see to me to me that's a huge one uh well the benefits start with you the tour had to do something and this was sort of the theme
1: of my column yesterday and and i i quoted the great gunner garrity who's a he's a cameraman for us give it a beat bro like, I, no one knows exactly what the schedule is going to look like. So that was kind of my message is let's just wait to see how this plays out. And as I pointed out, this is going to be like the FedEx Cup. Like, they're going to have to continue to tinker and massage this. They could tweak not, this before January 1.
0: Like, this isn't a done deal.
1: and Jay, It's Jay, not going
0: to be perfect. Let's, let's Jay be Monahan said in the memo, there's no cuts. Rory McIlroy said in a press conference yesterday, that's still TBD.
1: Uh, Jay Monahan parked in the in the wrong spot yesterday here at Bay Hill. He parked in one of the media spots. I and I just I love the did idea. Of, uh, did he get towed? Uh, he did not get towed. I got towed one year. I know that's what to fill in the blanks behind that. My my car actually got towed from that spot. But uh, he was parking, and as I'm walking in, he's he's parking his car, and I just kind of glanced at him, and I go, I don't think that's for you. And I just kept walking. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't laugh. He's he's had a tough couple months, maybe years. Yeah. Um, so the tour had to do something like that's that's number one. And the idea that you're going to have players start to push back on this is completely understandable because now it, it's gone from whispers and rumors to something that's very, very real. And I get where that guy who envisions himself like I had a conversation with a player about this yesterday. It, the, the leap between and Joel Damon did this in the Netflix, like someone's got to be 70th in the world. Why can't it be me? Someone has to be 50th in the world. Why can't it be me? That's a big jump. And there's probably going to be some players, to be quite honest, that have to look in the mirror and ask themselves, am I 50th or am I 51? And some of them aren't going to like the answer because it's going to be a vastly different reality. But it's the reality that the tour had to settle into. They had to do something to face up to live golf. You're absolutely right. I think you're right that it will create more drama, more attention, more fan engagement towards the end of the season. Certainly the players are going to be more engaged now that the numbers have adjusted even further in that direction. And the part that I really liked the most out of it, and this was always going to be the part I was most concerned about, is if they can come up with, and I think the, the wording in the memo was, flow to the season where you would have two, maybe three, non-designated events leading into two, maybe three, designated events. And then essentially they would create sort of a mini points list that if you're top five on that list during those two or three non-events that you would qualify. It's not a huge opening. It's not a big door to go through, but it is a door. And I think that's all people want to be able to see. If you're 51 and you realize that, oh, man, my reality is different, now you can convince yourself that if I'm Chris Kirk, yes, I just have to play well at the Honda Classic, and that'll get me into Bay Hill. That'll get me into the players. That'll get me into the events I want to play in. So I do like all of those aspects of this. It had to be done. They seem to at least have an eye – they seem to have an understanding – that the meritocracy is still important. However, we have to trim it down. Other concerns? Sure,
0: there's plenty of concerns going forward. Just to, just to button up that point, right? Like, there's a terrific cadence now to the PJ Tour schedule when you have these two to three non-designated events to get into the back-to-back designated events. It cr- essentially creates, like, a series well, not now. of... In, in theory, for next year. I yes. want to see it. I mean, look, I, yeah. I
1: still... Like it's going to be a dramatic change of the schedule for them to come up with this. The the example being Honda last week was was butchered. No, it was bookended. Nope, didn't have it right. There you go, (laughs) bookended by by four designated events. Like you you cannot have that. Like you have to find a way. So they're going to have to rework the schedule rather dramatically. That's the part I'm waiting to see.
0: But this is what we've been talking about on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, isn't it? When we were kind of previewing, flushing out a reporting on what this was going to look like, is that you had to have some sort of avenue to identify the hot players and allow them to change their career trajectories. That's exactly what you're going to have, whether it's a, a Chris Kirk, an Eric Cole, a Ryan Gerard, potentially. like They could play their way then into these big events and completely alter what their fortunes are going to be. With this cadence, which is still kind of TBD with the actual schedule, every tournament now, Rex, on the PGA Tour season is going to be important. First of all, it makes non-designated events stronger because it's going to have players who are numbers 51 through 125, and you still have these huge incentives not just for winning because it gets you into designated events, it gets you two year exemption, gets you the master's berth, but also just playing well like if you play well in these mini qualifiers so to speak then you can then go into the designated tournament that makes all of the tournaments on the PJ Tour schedule more important you're either playing for a boatload of money or you're trying to better your career like that's that's the best that's the best case scenario well and again this goes back to the immediate reaction was the window
1: dressing of limited fields you're turning formerly full field events into limited fields and of course there's going to be pushback because what players see is fewer playing opportunities which is not wrong i mean math is math you can sit here and start adding up playing opportunities there's going to be fewer next year the part that i got hung up with is of those eight one of them the match play is already limited field two of them the Century Tournament of Champions, is already limited field. You can go back over the last decade or so. Playoff
0: events are all limited field. Already
1: limited field. You can go back over the last decade or two, and there's been no fewer than 10 limited field events, from the WGCs to the CJ Cup to Zozo to CIMB. You can sit here and keep going through it. This is not new. The PGA Tour has always sort of leaned towards these elite limited field events, And, and maybe there was pushback then, but the idea now that somehow everyone's going to just lose their mind, I don't see that at all. And I will say this to all the LibBots out there. I, please stop explaining to me that the PGA Tour is going to a system that Live created. No, no, they did not. I mean, the, the Tour has been doing this long before Live Golf ever came along. Is there a disconnect now that the Tour is critical, either publicly or privately, of 48-player fields and 54-hole events? Absolutely. But that's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. So all the LibBots, please stay out of my DMs.
0: Maybe maybe I'm not smart enough right I don't see this almost at all oh you like live like <laughs> thank you i need I need that little self esteem but like <laughs> this is seventy two holes it's not fifty four it's seventy to eighty players not forty eight there's no shotgun start there's no team component there's no set roster all year long. There's a way to play into this series throughout the year, and I, I think most importantly, like these are the best players in the world all in one place. It's not just those who were past their competitive primes or you know couldn't reject an opportunity for generational wealth. Like these are the best players in the world all altogether in one place. I do not see at all uh, how this is like live, and it just seems like a very strange victory lap. like Greg Norman like in the the live golf account, were, like, congratulating the PG Tour. Why are you congratulating the PG Tour? They just got stronger, they just got better, and they just made the live option that much less appealing. There are a couple of things, Rex, that I wanted to touch on here as well. I, I do like, as a benefit, guaranteeing the stars, they're all four days. I think that appeals to sponsors. It appeals to fans. Uh, I understand that the sickos, the golf sickos, probably don't like that aspect. Um, however, if you're trying to sell this to uh, a sponsor, or if you have the on-site fans in L.A. or any of these other big markets that you go to, and I wrote about this last Friday, right, with with or two Fridays ago, with Tiger Woods kind of swaying the cut line at Riviera. Here's the exact... Issue that you're going to have. The tournament had sold out tickets on Saturday and Sunday at the Genesis Invitational with the expectation that the tournament host Tiger Woods was going to be there as a player, not as the tournament host. And so for him sweating it out of the cut line, I think that was very dramatic. That obviously made for good television. It obviously made for good copy. But from an actual entertainment standpoint, from a product standpoint, you have to have Tiger Woods on the weekend at your tournament. Little Timmy wants to be able to go see Tiger Woods when he's out of school on Saturday and, and said, like, you have, to, you have to make that concession for these regular season tournaments. Little Timmy. What did you go to a Lassie reference? Is, is little, little Timmy playing around the well? Timmy, camp, Play out of the well? Little Timmy, Lily, little Cam, little Lily. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> gremlin, I think, is what you called Lily
1: when I called you last night. You <laughs> gremlin, called your daughter yeah. a gremlin.
0: She was—I mean, she was smushing goldfish into the mulch and then eating the mulch instead of the goldfish. Like, what is your what is your problem? One of them's yellow, one of them's brown.
1: You're such a good dad. Uh, I, no,
0: I, I don't disagree, uh, except for one.
1: I don't know that all sponsors will be happy because certainly last week is a perfect example. Honda wasn't happy. That's why Honda stepped away from whatever that product is going to be. But Honda again, should just- be happier next year. You're going Honda to have be, longer. Field. Honda won't be happier next year because <laughs> they're gone. So it's <laughs> that, that
0: they are not. They will not I'm, be happier next I'm just year. Honda's going to be happy with her new electric vehicle. Sure.
1: Yes. Uh, however, if they come up with the flow, and again, the devil's kind of in the details on this one. I, I'm very, very curious to see how you do that because we don't have that flow right now to the schedule that we're talking about, where you you have two or three non-designated versus two or three designated events. So players can, if they want sort of connect those dots a little bit better. And probably one of the parts that you did not read, which is shocking to me, there is no longer the minimums for
0: those players to play. I was getting events. to it. I was getting to it. Oh, no, okay. I no, the gun on no mandatory, particip- no mandatory participation anymore. Unlike this year where you can only, uh, I right, want to try to read one that, that want to Forfeit time. some of your pip.
1: Uh, which is probably a good idea. The idea being that, look, we're creating these huge purses. We're creating these huge opportunities. Like, I'm sure players are going to be motivated. And again, this goes back to what we've talked about before. Like 20, John Rahm has been vocal about this. 20 is probably too many. Like, nope, I don't want to play 20. And so they're giving players an option to to say, I'll play in the designated events. However, I'm probably not going to add these three to my schedule because I don't want to add these three to my schedule like that's that's just the way things work out so that's probably a good move as well if you look at it and going back to the limited fields maui field is only getting bigger so again we can sit here
0: and have this conversation. anyone who qualifies for the bmw is now getting into maui. yep.
1: and and the winners of tour events as well as the winners of the fall and we still don't know worth pointing out we still don't know exactly what the fall is going to look like and so it, they did a as good a job as they possibly could given the circumstances to yep. try to appease sort of that middle class. You know, the guy I felt sorry for yesterday was Jason Gore. Because I'm telling you, he he looked like he had a tough day on the range. Jason Gore is kind of in, in charge now of player relations. And it was a good move by the tour because— Isn't
0: he kind of used to it from his role at the USJ where everyone's just— Yeah,
1: not to this it, level.
0: Yeah, probably. Not true.
1: to this level because I saw Jason yesterday, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I told him, I'm like, every time I see someone in the last couple of weeks, they always say, man, you, you've been busy. And in my mind, immediately races to, I'm not Jason Gore. So, can't be that bad.
0: He's probably developed some very thick skin at this point uh, with his with his role as as the USGA li- uh, liaison. The big difference, of course, was that was one tournament, one time a year. This one, he's fielding it uh, all week in the and year.
1: week out, every yeah. range on Wednesday afternoon. You just see a sad Jason Gore with his head in his hands. He cries himself to sleep in a Marriott every night.
0: Yeah, even though there is not that mandatory requirement, Rex of the number of tournaments you have to play, I still think there's plenty of incentive there, and you're going to see, I mean, 90, 95, 99% turnout for these top players wanting to wanting to play in these $20 million purse events. And you can't, and again, I don't want you to keep
1: reading that entire memo. We, we don't want to get caught up in that. The part that is is also, I think, that people kind of skipped by, and didn't pay attention. So they're going to essentially go back to what the pip was originally. It's going to be a $50 million purse instead of a $100 million purse. And it's going to be top 10 instead of top 20, pointing out that that money is going to be reallocated into FedEx Cup bonuses and I believe the Comcast top 10. It kind of, that to me was a between the lines, the tour is having to tighten some belts. Like there, there is not an unlimited supply of money that we felt like we have seen over the last few years coming from the PGA tour. And this is going to have to work. They're going to have to find a way to make this work.
0: Well, I like the fact that they're going more towards performance, right. And not this kind of vague uh, idea of what a top player is, or one of these top needle movers, like reallocating money to the best performance all season long, the FedEx cup and the top 10, which that Comcast business top 10 is the top 10 guys at the end of the regular season. Like, To me, this is a Patrick Cantley bonus. He was never going to earn more than $2 million via the PIP, but now there's an opportunity for him to to walk away with, you know, six, eight, ten extra million dollars for how he plays throughout the course of the season. So I think that was actually a good move for the PGA Tour. So I want to be on record, Rex, that I actually do like these changes. I'm a big fan. It seems like that is definitely the minority opinion on golf Twitter, which is always a dangerous place to wade. How about some drawbacks? I will start most obviously – and I think the one that's getting the most attention among the players is no cuts to me, a cut on the PGA tour. It creates drama. It creates urgency. It creates finality. And so, you know, you don't want a situation where a guy is getting complacent, 10, 12 shots off the lead heading into the weekend. And is just kind of going through the motions to earn $50,000 on the weekend. You don't want that. My solution and according to Roy McIlroy, at least it's, it's still as it's still TBD, is why not sprinkle in a few small cuts in these legacy events? By legacy event, I mean Tiger Woods' Genesis, Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill, Jack Nicklaus' Memorial. All of those guys have valued the cut and said how much they value a cut. So a, a simple solution, make those 100-man events and trim to 70, or have them 78-man fields and trim to 50, for the or whatever the case may be, preserve a cut in those legacy events, and I think this is an absolute home run.
1: Probably not a bad idea, and this goes back to the conversation that that was the headlines—the no cut. It was it was always going to be the the part that people lost their minds about. I, I, again, I'll go back to the idea that I, I'm not quite sure how many no cut events we're going to end up having. They didn't exactly say there would be eight other designated events beyond the majors, beyond the playoffs, beyond the players. But it, they didn't say that all eight of those would be no cut because Jack Nicholas himself said just last week at the Honda Classic he has no interest in the memorial becoming a no cut event. He has no interest in going to a 70 80 man field. Tiger Woods has said the same thing about the Genesis Invitational 142 two.
0: consecutive cuts. That's one of the most
1: prideful uh, accomplishments of his career. And I, I think he appreciates that. And I think it, which is odd because I, I don't think anybody made the most of no cut events in their career than tiger woods but i think he appreciates to your point that it adds an element there again to the meritocracy to you get to keep what you kill in professional golf and to do that you've got to play all 72 holes and to do that you've got to play at least halfway decent the first 36 to give yourself an opportunity those are two big voices in the room i'm not 100 sure that the tour is going to be able to strong arm those two particular people into being like nope 78 man field no cut that's the way it's going to have to be so to your point, yes, uh, Bay Hills a little bit different. I mean, without Arnold Palmer around anymore, I'm not quite sure that they have the gravitas to push back against the PGA Tour. But I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Certainly, Century Tournament Champions is not going to have a cut. But to your point, yeah, I think Pebble Beach is the one we focused on earlier in the week. I mean, the the, the rumor mill is is churning right now that that will be a designated event on the West Which Coast. I, probably, and I've got I've got no problem that being a no cut event. But it should be, uh, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, I I think you're right. But in this particular situation, I don't know. Like, let's let's spin it forward to Wells Fargo being the example that I would probably use. Do you really need to have a seven eight man man field
0: there? I don't know. I I just don't. If you're going to decide to do this, but I don't think anything is lost, Rex. I don't think anything is lost if the pebbles of the world, the quail hollows of the world. Let's say you make Colonial one. Next year, maybe the Scottish Open becomes one in the future. I don't think anything is lost by having those as no-cut events. I'm talking, it, like, everyone wants to win at Riv. Everyone wants to win at Jack's Place. It, there's a sense of pride to win at Bay Hill with how difficult that golf course is as well. Adding an element of a 36-hole cut, I, I think, just makes those tournaments that much better. Uh, but I don't think your average fan
1: cares. Like, your average fan isn't paying attention on Friday. I don't know. Fa- the fans uh, Unless like it's tiger. totally pissed. Fans now, like I generally mean, unless I Tiger, like cut. unless it's Tiger or Rory, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think your your average golf fan cares. Not until, like, Sunday morning and they can't find Tiger on the later board and someone has to tell him that he missed the cut. So like, I just don't think it's that big of a deal.
0: Uh, Royce at least says it's TBD, which means to me that I don't think it's out the, outside the realm of possibilities. We could sprinkle Work in and a progress. few cuts. Rex, what do you – and we kind of talked about this uh, in the benefits category for some reason – but I, I do have a little bit of a drawback or at least a question mark with these higher point allocations for the designated events. Now the tours in, in uh, Amy Lynch's reporting, they, they ran some models and projections and they're supposed to be called a, churn. They call unquote, 60% churn. churn, which is actually pretty good. That's going to be kind of the holdover rate from year to year. The players that would re-qualify then for these designated events the following the season. That's pretty good. 60, 40. However, at least from, from this seat, and you, you know, I kind of have to trust the tour models at this point, it seems like the higher point allocation for designated events would help insulate these players and protect them for the following season. If you finish 30th in a designated event, for instance, and continue that throughout the course of the season, you're still going to have a higher point allocation and higher point total than a player who finishes, say, 15th in these non-designated events or these full-field events, all caps, as they are then calling them. So I want to see how that works out, because if you have a situation where these players are insulated, and it, it then it really does become a bit of a closed shop, which is definitely what they're trying to guard against.
1: Well, and and again, I addressed this at the beginning of the podcast. It's not as though I'm dubious of the models they ran. I just think we're going to have to see it play out. and. and I kind of reached out to someone who understands this much better than I do. And it it does seem to be trending in the direction that you would end up with a similar turnover rate to what we see now. However, you're also dealing 125 versus 50. And so those numbers are going to get skewed. I'm very, very curious going forward because to your point, I don't think – I mean, it's simple math. If you finish 30th in all of the non-designated events versus 30th in all of the designated events, you're going to have significantly more points for the lap. I mean, it's just math. It's very, very simple. So if you essentially have the exact same season on the two tours, one is going to be good, and one's probably not going to keep your card.
0: Two other things, Rex, that stood out to me as potential drawbacks. Sponsor exemptions now have to be PJ Tour members. This is going to have to be watched really closely and vetted to make sure there aren't any, like, these backroom deals among, like, the major agencies or the representation companies, you you know, I always think back to the example when Jason day was world number one, Ryan Ruffles, uh, who was part of the same management team, like always would get sponsor exemptions when quite frankly, he hadn't done anything to that point to uh, warrant them. So like, that's the sort of thing that's going to have to be looked at very closely because those sponsor exemptions, you mentioned the example of Christian who at number 51. Like if those players aren't getting ample opportunities to further their career, uh, that's a little bit of an issue for me. And secondly, and, and probably very further down the line on priorities here, what about the strategic alliance with the DP World Tour? It was announced last year the top 10 players in the race to Dubai will get their PJ Tour cards. But what sort of access are they going to have to this new system? Like, are we going to ever incorporate some of the best events in the DP World Tour in the PJ Tour schedule and elevate them that way to, quote-unquote, designated events, uh, that seems very uncertain at this point, but it does seem like that's now now an afterthought as opposed to something that was supposed to keep the DP World Tour from, from making uh eyes with, with Liv. It seems to me that partnership is going to be collateral damage,
1: and there's going to be plenty of collateral damage to go around, and we'll have a long time to talk about this. I was disappointed, and will continue to be disappointed, if the Scottish Open doesn't land as one of the designated events. I think we all agree that that would be the perfect way to sort of try to start start to even this all out the bmw pga championship their flagship event probably should be a designated event however there's just not any room i mean when we finally see this schedule come out you're going to see a very very delicate balance against those legacy events the majors the players the playoffs so no i I don't see that happening at all to your point about sponsor exemptions that's got brought up they could probably actually i heard this yesterday on the range and it's probably a really good idea they could take it even further, like not only do you have to be a PGA Tour member, you have to be a PGA Tour member in a certain category. Let's call it whatever that next category is after top 50. So if you're 50 to the next, let's say the next 75 players, 50 to, uh, 51 to 125, like it has to be one of those players. You can continue to drill down and make sure, because you're right, this is going in. I've seen some stuff on Twitter this morning from actually players who are pointing out the idea that no more of this politics, no more of the backroom deals being made between agencies and players and okay this player will play in this event but you have to give this player an exemption those have to go away the the other one that that goes away is there's so many this is a perfect week if you want to go and look at the field list for bay hill i think they get 15 exemptions and it's ridiculous the people who get exemptions into this event a legacy event a big event on the pg name names uh just go look at the list I, i don't have to name names I don't have a list in front of me, and I don't want to read because we're ending the podcast, and I don't want to end the podcast the same boring way we began the podcast. I've never actually sat and watched golf when we've done this before. Uh, this is fascinating. Like, uh, I just never... saw that Will Zalatoris hit the worst mud ball of my entire life, and I was more interested in that than what you were saying.
0: Uh, so wait, so you have an issue with Ludwig Eberg, who by all accounts uh, is a future star in European Ryder Cup stalwart receiving an exemption by virtue of the Palmer Cup. Is that what you're suggesting? Sure, yes, absolutely. 100%.
1: Don't know that kid. I'm sure he's going
0: to be very very special. He has no business being in this field uh, he is. He's going to be a PGA Tour member come June 1. He is currently number 1 in the PGA Tour University great, great, great. standings. I think I would have a bigger yes. issue. No issue with like a with like a Martin I mean, Laird Puget. former winner, a, a a Thurston Lawrence um you know, players of that caliber. That's where I think we would draw the line. Rex this would be the shortest podcast in Golf Channel podcast with Rex We went longer than we said we were going to go. Definitely. We aim for 20 end up uh, spitting out 32 bad minutes. But thank you guys for listening. This was an emergency pod. Our regularly scheduled program will resume next week. Live from my backyard. We'll be doing a Bay Hill recap. We probably won't touch on these changes anymore because we just did. And of course, we're doing a player's championship preview. while Rex and I uh, smoke some ribs, grill some wings. Menu and is set. Indulge in some adult beverages. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: I love Bay Hill.